The subject of short-term rental properties can be quite polarising. Proponents and opponents have been arguing about how much government regulation is needed in the sector for years, and then along came COVID. Immediate and prolonged vacancies forced owners to pivot to the traditional rental market, thereby increasing vacancy rates across the board and depressing rents. And then when lockdowns eased, our closed international borders resulted in surging demand for local accommodation, encouraging those owners to return their properties to the short-term rental market. Tree and sea changes put further pressure on regional markets and now we have a chronic shortage of long-term rental accommodation. And now legislation is starting to have an impact on the short-term rental sector. It's hard to feel sympathy for the owners of short-term rentals, but hey, they're just trying to get the most out of their investments, right? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location Location and Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecast report, which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au Today we're going to find out how the short-term rental market has evolved over the past couple of years. And here to share his insights is the co-CEO and co-founder of Made Comfy, Quirin Schweighover. <laughs> I've been practicing that pronunciation. Now, Made Comfy is a property management and hospitality company specializing in short-term rentals. Their headquarters are in Sydney with extended operations in Melbourne and Brisbane, and their core business is managing Airbnb rentals and thereby helping property investors improve their rental returns. Now, it's been about four years since we last spoke to Kieran, back in episode 21, if you can believe it. Thank you for coming back to update us today on what's been happening in the sector, Kieran. We're really happy to have this chat with you. Uh, Thank you so much, Veronica and Chris. Really appreciate that. The first one was super fun. Um, and I'm a big fan of your show as well. So thank you. Yeah, quite excited to get into it today. Awesome, Kieran. Um, yeah, I mean, four years, hey? I mean, what a change in the market, I mean, in the world, I guess, on and the way that we move around the world. So, I mean, there means so much we can talk about in today's episodes, mm. but what are some of the, how's your business gone, I guess? And how's it in, obviously, it's growing really strongly and you've got lots of staff and things like that, but what's been some of the major challenges and, and how's it sort of going going forward? Yeah, and where do I where do I begin? When you look forward as a uh, in life, generally, personally, as a business owner or whoever, uh, you don't see those kind of things um, uh, happening. Right? So when uh, COVID happened, of course, it was first like this kind of thing that is somewhere uh, in Asia. It was impacting travel a little bit, and then suddenly here we go, borders shut, and um, we're in lockdown. Um, and you think about completely other things, right? You think about your health, you think about your family, you think about your staff, um, everyone, right? So it's, it's, it's really something you can't prepare yourself for and it's something I think that will give you lessons for life um, going forward. And yeah, so overall, definitely severe impact um, in travel. Um, we had before COVID, uh, 55% of our guests were international. The rest was pretty much interstate. So you shut that, you could assume your business is, um, is gone. Um, and I think... Um, um, being still here in a better shape than pre-COVID, I think, says a lot um, what uh, it um, really forced us to do as a business. So how many roughly rentals have you got at the moment, just, just so we can talk numbers? Uh, now we are getting close to a 1,000 yep. um, uh, rentals. Okay. We've changed our business model a little bit as well, so it's no longer, um, it's no longer just that we are managing one-by-one one rentals. Um, we've... Um, uh, yeah, adjusted and evolved a little bit uh, during COVID and, um, yeah. I think it'll be interesting because you've got a 1,000, right? That's a good statistical number, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and it'd be good to sort of see, you know, what happened to your rental. I mean, what was, what was happening to the people in COVID, right? So what percentage of people that were always doing short-term letting just said, you mm-hmm. know what, we can make money, more money on the long-term market, you know? Um, what people just really kept on going through the whole process. Um, and, you know, even though it was less international, there was maybe more domestic. Mm. And where are you seeing demand for lots of new rentals, I guess? Um, so yeah. what are you seeing? I mean, the, the very first thing when, when this happened, it was about um, uh, everyone's health, number one. Um, it was about helping property owners. Um, a lot sort of rushed back from all international, coming back to Australia. So 
occupying their own property, helping them uh, with that. It was about financial returns, forecasts, mortgages. I mean, like, there was so much stress in everyone's life about their own, like, like it's one of the biggest assets you have in your life is your, is your property. And from a cash flow point of view, simple, like just, just immense. So helping our owners, um, managing that, um, understanding the forecast, understanding what's going to happen was number one. Um, and then, of course, you had a few owners, again, that needed uh, to uh, move in. Um, we had uh, we had others that simply were um, sort of paying mortgage month by month, and that just uncertainty really um, uh, was really uh, difficult. So we we worked on finding long term tenants for those, uh, and um, that's sort of when we started our real estate agent uh, partnership network uh, quite extensively to uh, really help our owners to yeah just to have that cash flow, um, and then yeah it was fast about um, looking at um, properties and accommodation was still needed and um, we worked a lot with um, government um, with um, hospitals with um, construction uh, companies to provide accommodation to those that have to travel so we had a lot of nurses a lot of doctors that sort of were coming from queensland down to victoria to um, sydney when we had that first wave uh, for example and everyone was gearing up for these kind of like literally tens of thousands of people in hospital which <laughs> they got didn't happen but that was sort of the, the very first bit where we were able to really pivot from focusing on growing by finding new properties, but finding finding guests and occupying our properties, assuming that worst case, Airbnb will fall over, booking the the wall will fall over at some point. That was the hypothesis, it could happen. So preparing for that was um, how we really were able to keep uh, property owners um, with Made Comfy. Um, and um, it was the time when we launched our direct booking page um, within three months. That's such a interesting sort of way to look at it mm. as well that you you weren't just in survival mode for yourselves and for made comfy as a business mm. you know as a sector everything's just on, on its head who knew, who knew what was going to happen next and and mm. it's funny even you just talking then i just was casting my mind back to that complete un, you know uncertainty and and mm. how JobKeeper came in you know from a from a federal government point of view and that certainly I, that gave me a sense of well thank god the government's got my back you know, and, and mm. extended out to others. I would imagine your customers, your clients must have felt the same way. You're suddenly pivoted from trying to get more more properties on your books to getting, mm. you know, bodies in beds basically, um, you know, and, and good for you as well as for them, but certainly uh, it must have generated a, a different type of relationship between Make Comfy and your clients. Would would that be fair to say? I mean, that's what I was picturing when you were saying that. Yeah. I mean, like, what we sort of learned was all about communication. Um, information was, um, you could uh, hear um, a lot and nothing uh, really, and fast moving uh, sort of changes. So what we really focused on is being super transparent um, and uh, communicating opportunities, uh, trends, ups and downs, really in an unfiltered way. So our property owners could make a really uninformed decision on, again, their cash flow. Um, and being really focused on filling properties was um, was good for us as a business because we really got very close understanding how difficult is it really to fill if you're not relying on Airbnb. And we really realized that um, when we looked at occupancy rates of hotels, they were sort of in the 10, 20% mark. Once they had their hotel quarantine, they got to the 20, 25% mark, but that was really low. We were constantly above 50% um uh, of our occupancy so it got us a really good feeling for property owners how do we how do we get um, keep certainty on on finding at the end tenants guests that are staying in um in their properties and it really helped us to understand that going forward in a COVID impacted world um shorter rentals are by far better suited for the new traveler needs you had change of behavior like you had in the gfc a change of user behavior um, those big events change user behavior and um, in, a, in a really fast way. Um, and what it really meant is longer stays and more concerns about where do I stay? Um, what privacy do I have? What amenities do I, amenities do I share? Um, and what um, certainly do I have in regards of if I have to cancel and mm. change my sort of thing? So that's what we really identified. And we could be, yeah, we, we, we could focus on getting better on that for our property owners uh, at the end. Um, um, yeah. Did you see yeah. that a lot of the people in um, things that naturally suited international, so maybe a lot of people who had you know apartments around the city, um, were the ones that got hit the hardest, rather than the the ones that were maybe a, you know a house down the south coast or 
you know, a, a bigger house mm. in Brisbane, you know, et cetera. It was, it was the ones that really just suited the, you know, the international traveler. I mean, like, to be honest, like, with the hard lockdowns, it didn't matter where your property was. <laughs> so it was literally, like, look at Melbourne. It's, like, really, like, the time everyone was in lockdown, even the, those kind of houses, it didn't make a big difference. So globally, without the hard lockdowns, definitely the urban markets were, were more impacted because people really tried to avoid urban. You also had less, again, um, a movement, so people drive to destinations and two, three hours from capital cities yeah. were, like, going through the roof. Um, and if you think about how many people came back to Australia um, with a lot of cash, with money that, that they usually spend on expensive overseas trips, like doing things in drive-by destinations really created a, a huge demand um, on a global scale. So once the lockdowns ended in Australia, um, that definitely also really like pushed the trend forward. And I think this year, uh, Easter, uh, uh, sort of also the holiday uh, season, we saw a lot of um, traction in those drive to uh, locations, but also Australians moving uh, around Melbourneians, um, um, going to Sydney, and simply visiting a city that is not rushed over by international uh, tourists. So we saw a lot of domestic travel um, in those locations. Has it highlighted, though? I mean, are there still segments, so particularly that inner city market, for in, for instance, mm. there's still segments that are still suffering. I would say suffering. We are out of suffering. Uh, suffering was until November. Um, and then since November, we are in average with our ADR, so our nightly rate and occupancy rate, we are where we were pre-COVID. Um, now, we look at Canberra, for example, our Canberra properties, they are, they are going on an over 80% occupancy, simply because there's so much um, sort of travel movement. What we really see is that, that people think about where they, where they travel. Um, we sort of see that we can drive bookings. So, um, Made Comfy Direct is now the second biggest um, booking uh, supplier for all properties. Uh, previously, it was like almost zero. Um, and now we put Airbnb, of course, but um, McComfy is generating more bookings than a booking.com or home away is, uh, or stays verbal, they're called now. So it really shows us that people are traveling, but they're thinking about where they travel, where mm -hmm. they stay, and um, what is the best um, suited accommodation to that kind of travel need. But it, I would imagine that people always think about that. So so how is the, what they're thinking about changing or what are the priorities? <laughs> That's habit. Now you, you go, okay, we, we, we go. So, so two things, length of stay and mm. habit. If you go somewhere for one or two nights, you go to a hotel. Like literally, if I travel, I stay somewhere one night, I don't even think about a short-term rental mm. if I don't have a comfy there. Right? With a comfy, I say to comfy, but otherwise, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's just convenience, is, it, is, it is great. If I stay somewhere for a week um, and... Um, where I now stay and want to go to is not necessarily the CBD because not all offices are in places are on the CBD. I think about how can I stay as close as possible to my final destination so I don't need to be like just moving around all the time. So I think about that. And then my habit about just going to, I don't know, like the, the previous hotel that I booked, I just think about what is there that makes me feel a bit better so I'm not just in, in my studio bed where I need to work. Where do I have more space? And again, um, what happened over the last couple of years is that people really realize short-term rentals are no longer this kind of hobby couch surfing thing, um, but you can get a really nice, um, well-equipped uh, professional run um, short-term rental where you can work. It is your sort of center uh, for your trip. Um, and if you work with friends, uh, you can simply stay together um, and um, you don't have the kind of awkward things working on a, on a bed next to each other like you're doing a thing or you go to the lobby where it's everything noisy so it's just really convenient thinking about that um, and i'm not even going yet to the whole digital nomad part where like work from anywhere remote working um what that really enables you to do from a travel point of view but you need to have a place where you work where you have silence and when you can focus and concentrate have you um seen many guests that are doing that pure work from anywhere movement i mean uh, Airbnb are getting a lot of credit for coming out with their policy, you know, yesterday yeah. that you can work from anywhere. I mean, it was the, if any company was going to offer it, they had to offer it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Google and Facebook and Apple and Atlassian. You know, Atlassian. Come, I mean, uh, but I mean, a lot of those are actually going back to you have to come to an office a certain amount of days per week, mm -hmm. um, you know, and all their, their incomes are going to get varied depending on if you switch cities more than 90 days and things like that. So, What's your sort of take on what you're seeing in terms of the corporate? Because you're seeing the people who are getting that flexibility yeah. or who are hopping from Airbnb to Airbnb. Are you seeing much of that? So I think there are two extremes. One is like always the office. The other one is like always hopping around in Airbnbs and make comfies. I think 
what we will see is kind of things will be more flexible. It is more easier to communicate and work if you're not on your desk. And with that, you get more um, uh, just um, flexibility for your life. And I think what happened, um, uh, it takes about, what is it, um, uh, many studies, four weeks, 30 days to break a habit. We had four months of lockdowns, so it was really good at breaking habits. Um, <laughs> And now other habits are coming back, right? It is, is it easier to uh, remember when we met uh, um, four years ago, we sat next to each other. Um, it is a different feeling. We are still like herd animals in some kind of form. We will like um, social interaction. Now, what I think will happen is work can't just be work. If you have choice, of course, where you just go and you wait, you count the minutes to, to finish, <laughs> um, it needs to add more value to your life and purpose to your life. So. So it will drive companies to think about um, um, their employees, how to um, elevate them, how to drive them. And you see, of course, those with big, uh, uh, high profitable, big funding that care about that, that do a lot of this kind of things. Um, and that's all around um, also for, for us individuals about what is really important in life, our families, um, relationships. There was two years, I didn't see my parents in two and a half years. I haven't seen my little daughter in two and a half years. Um, so it was really, really, you think about that, right? Like, like if this happens again, what is your priority? And I think all of this will somehow form a new way of um, of working. Will it be never in the office back? No, I don't think so. It's really important here in McCamfy. Everyone is back uh, two, three days, and um, some are five days because we really love it. Um, and yeah, others are more remote. So that's what I think will happen uh, there. Is we'll see more people just be able to travel for four weeks, for example, and do a trip that you previously couldn't do, where you maybe. I've only leave for one or two weeks and you stay for four weeks and you work two weeks. And we've yeah. seen a lot of um, a lot of that where people just stay longer and they say, well, I have um, my leisure and my work, I can combine it. And yeah, and it's great because you really get a bit of a, um, for your family time out. And it's great um, if you have the choice um, of where you stay and, and you still are able to work. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people used to hang out for their long service leave, right, and wait there you know, seven, ten years <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is for a lot of companies, and then they get their final, they get their three months off. But, you know, I think uh, sabbaticals are even something that we've seen clients, you know, where clients don't want to lose their talent. They know they need a break. They're burning out. They they want to go on this trip. So instead of resigning and then losing you, well, we'll, we'll give you 12 months off and you can come back after that. Um, have, you, have you noticed those sort of things in flexibility? Because the put the – you know, with low unemployment, with global talent shortage, with not being able to import labor, the power is all with the employee at the moment, right? And the employees want flexibility because they've had the taste of it in the last few years. Yeah. So I always say the grass is greener on the other side, right? So of course there's a shortage, but I think if, if a good employer, you have great, great jobs and you have a big purpose, you will always be able to access talent um, um, on that. So I think that's a very important, important bit. Like they um, sort of um, taking the full year off. I think we, we haven't seen this here at my comfy. I think a lot of uh, our team members sort of were really keen to travel home. So we had this, okay, I'm away for a month, for two months, um, and I work from wherever I am. Um, and we were able to come uh, to accommodate that. And that was really, really helping. Um, but that's sort of the longest um, was around two months and then coming back. And then we have, of course, maternity leave. Um, and it allows a lot of more flexibility for parents um, to take paternity maternity leave if you don't have to come back to the office. Um, but you can simply be um, um, at home um, um, if you have some professional support, if you share that. It is giving a lot of more flexibility in those kind of uh, situations. And that's where we maybe um, have seen it. Um, but again, it, it all goes back to to um, what what is important in your life and how can you um, focus on that. And um, waiting for a long service leave. I, I had a proper job. I was waiting and counting for this. I didn't, didn't get there. But um, but it would be nice to do these things before we reach a certain age uh, and sticking for a job just for the sake of it. I think that that is something that um, that whole shift and shortage of labor is 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 enabling people not to having to wait for that. So all this flexibility, it's a luxury, really, when you think about it, because obviously not everyone has that um, that ability in their working um, life. Mm-hmm. I think also I'm curious to know what type of person, has there been any change in the type of property owner that is likely to, you know, put their property on the short-term rental market versus 
the type of property or the type of owner that would have done so pre-COVID. Has that changed? Mm -hmm. Because I would imagine pre-COVID you got a lot of people that would have rented out a spare room, for instance, because obviously that helps them, particularly maybe first-home buyers, might help them with cash flow. Certainly you mentioned people have gone overseas and obviously rented out their homes, Mm -hmm. uh, short-term rental market while they're away. Uh, Then you've got people who just bought an apartment basically and wanted to maximise their yield on that mm. you know so there's lots of reasons lots of compelling reasons i guess why people mm. would choose that as a um a way to to offer their property for um to get income from it has that changed in any way do you think yeah, has there been um, some weaknesses or any for any any i guess vulnerabilities any of those sort of those uh motivations yeah so we we definitely have seen um a change here the biggest change is um that was previously it was around a different form of income and sort of um, um, looking at that, like how do you, we've never done the only room and uh, some management, but um, the biggest shift we've seen is really flexibility of use. Mm. So with that whole, that we're all more more mobile and flexible from where we work, is that we see people buying properties and living in that for some point, right? For some kind of, um, sometimes it's just like for a couple of weeks a year, a month or two a year, but that is really something where we've seen that new and, and you can't manage, you can't do long term in those kind of scenarios mm. because that takes away that flexibility of use your property. And going back to the point is when I think with your sort of introduction on this, I think what we really um, see here is that we are enabling properties to be utilized um, in our area where there's shortage um, in a way that um, someone that then, uh, let's say, you own your property in, in Brisbane and you are in there for December and January, but not the rest. Um, it allows others to stay in this property um, for their need. And again, that means it might um, uh, take away some weight of the long-term rental market or from other uh, accommodation. So I think there's really, um, there's a change of user behavior and I think short-term rentals are really enabling people with that kind of increased mobility and flexibility to where their center of life is and how Maybe they don't have one center of life. Maybe you can have a couple of uh, areas where you um, mm. spend time, um, especially around families. There's certainly been some legislation changes mm. that were mm. mooted for some period of time and it's taken a while to get to, you know, and I think in New South Wales, mm. something like 180 days a year or something. Um, mm. You know, so there's a bunch of limitations depending on where you are. And also there's individual strata buildings um, that would have specific regulations and restrictions as well. Mm. How is that all sort of unfolding? Um, and I guess how do you sort of see the impact? Is it making a big difference? Does, does you know, is 180 mm. days too much, not enough? I mean, how does it all work? Yeah. So if you ask if it was me, it was time for legislation and regulation and it is it is good and it's an important um, important part of um, um, setting standards um, and providing people with peace of mind um, and controlling um, areas that are having a negative impact. So I think that is an important bit. So um, there's actually been more than the things you managed, uh, I mentioned. Mm. Um, when I start with the Code of Conduct um, that was launched um, in, in New South Wales, there's also a Code of Conduct in Victoria, um, but that um, is a very powerful one. Uh, it is really setting um, expectations to an official with consequences um, expectations to guests and property owners and mm. those that manage those properties. And part of that code of conduct we have um, um, as a guest about how you have to behave and act in a short-term rental. And if you don't follow those, there's a consequence. There are penalties mm. and you can be banned in a blacklist. And if you're blacklisted, you cannot book anymore on, on any kind of booking platform. And all booking platforms have to comply with that. Mm. So it's really, um, when I look at um, that part, um, one of the biggest um, um, really issues this uh, Globally, uh, globally uh, you have is around misbehavior. No matter if it's a short-term rental or hotel, mm. a long-term rental is about having something in place. And that's, I think, really a lot of credit to New South Wales on how they've really done that. Um, it also requires um, 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 a safety floor plan. Um, it requires um, um, a smoke detector. So it's, it's a few things that are really, really good um, in um, further professionalizing this industry. Um, so um, going to, uh, uh, for the management owner, of course, it's also around providing um, a response, providing, providing uh, an insured property. So there are a lot of things that give you peace of mind as a guest, booking a short-term rental in New South Wales now. Um, that's that one bit. So I'm going back to the, to the strata. So um, I mean, like, there's, you can debate that. You cannot ban Airbnb's strata, by the way. Um, that is false. 
Um, if I want to rent out my room or my primary home of residence, there is no strata can ban it. It is illegal, like we can't. So the only way that strata can restrict short-term rentals is um, for, um, if it is not your primary residence, that 75% um, um, of the owners have to vote against it in the general meeting. And that again is also good if you if you have um, uh, sort of um, uh, smaller blocks where you have mainly owner occupiers that um, that live there that say, look, we want to minimize the impact. Um, if we have someone that does it fair enough, but we can minimize the impact. For those um, um, apartment complexes where you have mainly property investors, um, we don't see this kind of move because it would restrict you with a way of renting your property. Now, fair enough, currently it is really uh, easier to get long-term rentals, but that can change again. Um, and then you restrict yourself and you really diminish the value of your property too. So uh, we don't see um, uh, that um, happening a lot. Um, and uh, uh, the other thing is any other bylaws where short-term rentals were restricted before they kind of launched, they are all invalid. So again, it just sets uh, a couple of terms on the on, on the on the on the strata level. But important is if I want to live in my place, I want to put an Airbnb for eight months and I'm away. I, uh, I can do that. If I want to rent up my room, I can do that without restriction. I certainly get, you know, the desire to have the maximum flexibility in terms of what you can do with your property. But when you said mm. it actually diminishes the value if it's if it's outlawed, what evidence do you have around that? Because the way I think, the way my mm. brain immediately goes is, right, well, hang on a minute. If, if I'm in a building that mm. is predominantly investor-owned, then mm. I'm not going to – I don't have a great capital growth asset anyway you know, because basically owner-occupiers are the people that actually push prices up and you want one of those buildings with lots of owner-occupier appeal and a good mm -hmm. balance of, of owner-occupier and, and investor. Um, so I think instantly if, if you're in a building where people really want to basically have short-term rentals as, prefer you know, in preference over long-term mm -hmm. rentals, I'd be arguing that that's not a great investment from a capital growth point of view anyway. But but mm -hmm. I am curious. So that's the way my brain immediately goes. I'm curious yeah. to know if you've got any evidence to, to support what you just said yeah i like um like um um i can sort of turn this a little bit around what evidence do you have that short-term rental properties are diminishing in value um you can't prove that um uh, either um i think there is the there is the point of um you cannot control in a building that the properties that are getting sold in the next 10 years are they all going to be owner occupiers or are they all going to be investor properties you don't you don't you have no impact on that um what I um, what was saying before is like, if it's owner-occupier uh, only, uh, you cannot uh, you cannot um, um, ban uh, shorter rentals and uh, Airbnb on that. And um, you can only do that um, if it's a, a sort of second secondary home, even the Volvi can't. Right. Only if it's, a sec if it's an investment property, you don't live in it, then the person can't do it. Now, to sort of argue that um, um, an open bylaw um, sort of drives everyone to do shorter rentals, um, I think that is a bit of an over-execuration as well. I've not seen that happening uh, in it. It is literally about, as a property owner, having as many options that yeah. you have in certain market conditions. And um, and again, that is sort of what you take away um, if you restrict yourself uh, from that, rather than yeah. uh, saying everything is now a short-term rental. So, so if it is your house and you live there three, six months a year and you travel, you know, six months a year, mm -hmm. um, even if the strata doesn't want you to Airbnb it, uh, your apartment, then you can mm -hmm. still Airbnb it even yep. if there is a vote. But if it's a pure investment property, if 75% of the people in the block say, no, mm -hmm. I don't want anyone airbnb in this building, then who are investors? Yep. They can out. They can sign off on that, and that means that no investor can do short-term rentals. No investor, yeah. no investor can do short-term. I mean, exactly. And that's going back to Veronica's point. Mm. If it's a, it's a, it's a building that's mainly owner-occupied, I understand that, right? Um, but um, just to sort of yeah, um, and I guess the second mm. thing, Veronica's point, I, I my brain went sort of similar, right? But if you had an owner-occupier building, and mm. um, then they had a bylaw in there that said no one can do Airbnb. Um, and I wanted to buy it as an owner-occupier um, and, you know, have a family, I would see that as a positive, to be honest. I would see that, you know, I'm not going to get my buy apartment one and then apartment mm. two is going to have a constant flow. Now, there's always the risk that that person lives in that property and they go on holidays, but I've mm. also got the flexibility to, to rent mine on short-term lettings when I go yeah. overseas. So I think the rules are pretty fair. Do you, do you, do you agree with that? 
If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And yeah. Again, you can argue is, is in the future, in the city market, how many owner-occupiers are able to afford a property in Sydney? Very different topic um, on <laughs> yeah. driving the prices up. So um, I have a bit of a belief here too around that the way, especially Sydney properties are going to be used in the future, it's going to be very interesting yeah. how many people are able to just buy a property and live in it. Um, and so what about like across the other limits? So you've got to understand that limit there, but I mean the day's limit and yep. where is it really um, severe like places like Byron and Sunshine Coast and mm. where are you seeing real stress on the Airbnb market and where, mm. you know, your customers, for example, are having to close down their Airbnbs because it just no longer makes sense? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question. So it, it is important to understand that kind of um, law. So... Um, what it means, it's 180 days you can um, have your property booked um, and occupied um, with bookings that are less than 21 nights uh, or days. Got so it. that means like, um, fair enough, um, it was really around restricting the, the sort of one, two, three-nighters uh, in a bit and um, yeah, have some control of this. Um, for us, um, um, about 30% of our bookings are over 21 nights um, in general. and. Um, we are um, um, looking at more um, avenues on this. That was part of our whole launch of the McComfy uh, booking platform. It's been enabling insurance companies, enabling relocation companies, enabling. Um, we work a lot with real estate agents when you renovate your property and you need a place for one or two months, being the go-to place where you simply then um, find accommodation that is uh, consistent, insured, uh, and so on, um, and you have the support. So from that point of view, when you think about we are running our properties on 70 to 80% occupancy. You have um, 180 days, which gives you 50%, um, and the remaining 25%, uh, we sort of um, need to fill um, with over 21 nights, booking uh, bookings longer than 21 nights. We've been already compliant before this whole thing started, simply because we look a lot at the mix uh, of bookings, um, where you, for example, in low season, you really want to have longer um, uh, bookings um, to get um, that kind of occupancy and um, yeah what it did though um, it makes it more difficult um, um, if you have less infrastructure technology uh, in place to to comply with this 100 percent um, have Airbnb um, hosts um, that uh, struggles with that i don't know um, our customers have not but yeah. um, that's maybe something you have to ask um, yeah. someone that um, did it but again it sort of reduces the uh, stock on the market um, uh, which drives um, yeah. um, more opportunities for for property owners. Um, do, do you see, owners. like, um, in terms of your pricing, though, you're going to say, look, mm -hmm. if you want to book for 20 days, it's 300 bucks a night. But if you book for 23 days, which means we don't have to use our 180-day cap, it's only 250 a night. And it's actually cheaper for you to book more than 20, 20 days. Do you see sort of people getting around the rules that way? I where just they... give them a free night make uh, it 21. Well, that's, that's sort <laughs> of the thing, isn't it, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, um, if you have a few properties in your lot of spare time, um, you maybe want to wanna do that. I guess it's a little bit like um, if you go to the supermarket and you buy a whole pallet of mustard, you get a discount on that. Um, <laughs> and if you buy only one or two, um, if you only need one or two, you don't want the pallet, right? So uh, it's a funny German movie, by the way, about <laughs> buying a pallet of mustard um, because he saved uh, 5%. So what I'm saying here is, like, uh, it was really important looking at who needs accommodation. There are more than those that just need a few nights. And there are those that really want a place for one or two months, uh, um, uh, four weeks or whatever that sort of is. And and that is anything made comfy to to fill that. Um, mm. And it's not just uh, uh, something that we've seen in, in, in Sydney or in New South Wales. It is something that happens across across the globe where, where it's really sort of looking at um, 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 accommodation that are it is more yes, self-contained and, and flexible, but it's sort of on a monthly basis mm. where you can stay. Uh, you don't have to sign up for 12 months. You can sign, again, looking at the more flexibility, you can stay here for one month, two months, three months, four months, yeah. and so on. So that's a lot of um, effort that we, we will be putting into. 
into providing more flexibility in accommodation to again increase the utilization of, of properties rather is, than having them. Is out. there any like councils though that specifically have been able to override the government's sort of rules and say, look, in the Byron Shire or the um, the, the Sunshine Coast, um, you cannot have any Airbnbs in this area because of. So is it? You know, is there any situations like that where they literally are not allowing Airbnbs or cutting the night UCG even further? So it depends on the state. So New South Wales, um, um, it's a state law that overrules council law. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, is, is, is also on the 180 day um, uh, limitation, uh, like a few other sort of uh, spots. Um, and that was only, I think, earlier this year that um, that was made. We have a lot of um, Sunshine Coast, when you mentioned Musa. They have other restrictions. Um, Monique Peninsula is, is similar where you need to have um, a license, so you need to apply for license. Yeah. Um, what they want to really uh, understand is how many short-term rentals do we have in our location. With that comes also um, a requirement um, uh, of the support you give. Uh, what they want to avoid is having, um, yeah, sort of, I'd say, kind of soulless um, uh, properties that are rented out by, by someone that doesn't care and if there's an issue, there is no one to really deal with it. Um, mm. Yeah, and that's sort of um, why they have those those things in place. But in those areas where you need to get a license, from my understanding, out of client trying to buy one, that, that potentially they're not issuing new licenses. As in, we've hit a cap. We're only allowing five hundred of these. Mm. Um, and you know, yeah, you want a license to Airbnb, but no, we're all full. We can't do any more Airbnbs. Have you heard of any stories like that? Maybe not in New South Wales, but in other pockets. Um, no, there is, uh, where we operate, there's, um, we don't have any, don't have any caps um, on okay. our licenses. So you haven't heard of that happening somewhere like Noosa or anything like that? No. No, not not, not that I'm aware of. I'm going to say that I'm uh, um, the legal expert um, gotcha. fully on uh, <laughs> on that. But um, our yeah. problem, we have no issues on getting licenses in Noosa, and we have had no issues in in um, in applying for it. So that's what I can what I can uh, tell you. I know. In other locations, like when you look into Barcelona, into Amsterdam, um, uh, you have a number of licenses, and getting additional licenses is a thing. The US also has a few, a few uh, locations where you, you see there's a lot overseas where you have a historical city um, where you cannot have new properties, and yeah. you want to really put a cap on something so you keep the balance right. And I think that's a uh, that's a positive thing. Mm. Mm. I think. Interestingly enough, you know, certainly before COVID, there was a lot of people that were thinking that was their strategy, that oh, I'm going to buy a property, that I can Airbnb and I'm going to get much higher rent, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And one of the big things then would have been the risk of legislation because it was mm. much more Wild West, I guess, before this legislation coming to play. Would you say that there are other potential headwinds out there for people entering into this sort of or, or owners in this space because are there still some big gaps things that could happen do you think that could actually curtail the freedom or flexibility of some owners to be able to offer their property for short-term rent i think if, if we learn one thing is um over the last two years with uh, covid which would happen in the ukraine um and so on um we cannot predict the future <laughs> now from uh, so they the famous unknown unknowns i think Winston churchill or someone claimed this quote at some point um so uh, there will always be uh, no matter what you do but mm. from what we know um in regards of how where we operate and um, there's a lot of certainty um uh, on uh, on legislation there's a lot of certainty now in regards of um, um uh, market demand in short-term rentals it is one of the fastest growing travel markets um in the world it is um, increasing in um, professionalism. Um, there is less where you have to uh, think about. There is more sophistication um, and so on. Still, um, of course, there are challenges and challenges um, we have to all uh, come with around um, lack of labor, lack of support, technology developments and things like that, where we can definitely pr um, improve our service from that regard. Um, there's a lot more certainty uh, uh, now um, in uh, mm. in the short-term rental market than maybe there was uh, in the past. Kieran, I mean, I know Airbnb fees are pretty um, tasty in terms of um, their, you know, they've got a beautiful app that they're investing billions of dollars mm. in um, and I sometimes watch Airbnb's updates and, you know, we go away a lot and use the app. But something that I do and I'm not sure I'm not the only one is that we'll figure out who's renting that property. You know, it's not so much... Um, airbnb it's made comfy it's mm -hmm. holidays collection on the south coast for example and 
if you go direct to them, um, you can rent the same property, you know, usually 15% cheaper, for example. You know, have you seen that, you know, there's, there's really going to be, Airbnb have got a, a challenge where, you know, lots of smaller companies are, I guess, leveraging their technology and then people are just booking on their own databases? It depends, right? Like if you look at hotels that list on booking.com, on hotel.com, uh, they um, have direct bookings. And uh, in mm. my eyes, it is um, it is up to Airbnb, up to booking.com to make sure there are reasons why guests should book through their platform um, and yeah. um, how they, what value they add. And, and yeah, that is um, why they are there. Um, they also need to add value to property owners uh, to actually list their properties. Uh, so that's that problem they are solving. And then, um, yeah, for, for a guest, if you want to do uh, a bit of a hunt around, um, nothing will restrict you. You have this opportunity, I think, on any kind of marketplace. Uh, mm. um, now you can do this, uh, so it's all list all of them, Airtask, Madpost, Amazon. I think there's always a, fine, a way to get around. Um, do you have the time and the, and the, the passion to do that? Um, not everyone has. And, and again, and there are certain reasons why you... Why you, why you would, but it's definitely in, in everyone's interest um, to focus on what value they, they, they provide um, and what sort of uh, part of the value chain they, they are that they add, add purpose. And, and, and if, if you don't, I think you have a bit of a problem, but I, I do see a lot of the value that of course um, um, Airbnb uh, does add, wants to add and, and further does and so are the yeah. other platforms and so is Make Comfy. But does uh, Make Comfy Direct, I didn't even know you did that, but does that is that cheaper than if you booked that same apartment on Airbnb? That depends. So I, I'd say um, it depends. Um, we we do have some sort of um, um, uh, similar similar price parity and so on, but um, it again depends because you get um, other benefits. What we really focus on, uh, you get a little bit more uh, flexibility uh, because at the end we take your payment, we control the payment. Uh, Airbnb we don't control that, so we can pass on that kind of flexibility. Um, we also um, have potentially some uh, some other uh, less fees um, around this. So it all it's about just passing on um, uh, to to the person that books um, what you have to charge, and uh, it, it depends a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like when you use Uber Eats. You know, you know, you're paying twenty, thirty percent in fees that you know the restaurant has to sort of, um, and they're not making much money anyway, and so. You can just literally go on their mm. website and book online. It's just, you know, it's the same price, if not, but the mm. restaurant gets a lot more. I can see these sort of issues popping up with with Airbnb when all they are is the platform in the middle. Yes, a beautiful one, but mm. um, they're not so much, you know, delivering the product or the service like you guys are. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, they have a lot of um, engineers and, I guess, um, smart people thinking about that kind of um, a challenge. Um, um, as has domain real estate.com. I mean, like there is a certain power you have mm. um, 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 as, as, a, as a global marketplace. Um, and yeah, but I, I struggle to really answer this in a way um, of how this will go um, uh, in terms of change. But um, I mean, for us, it, what we really, when we talk about made comfy, it's around ensuring that um, we've, we, we get the right guests for the properties and people recognize made comfy. Um, and we really want you to book a made comfy. If you prefer booking.com or Airbnb, do that, please. Um, if you feel comfortable booking us directly, you can do that too. So we really want to enable those kind of scenarios um, uh, and really um, have a solution for different uh, guest segments is maybe a point. Uh, Airbnb is not appealing to all those kind of uh, travelers out there that are traveling, like yeah. I said, the relocation agents um, um, and so on. It's Although really it, it is interesting to see the speed at which the disruptors are getting disrupted. Um, and certainly Netflix is under a bit of, you know, Netflix disrupted the whole free-to-air and cable. Well, cable disrupted free-to-air, then Netflix disrupted cable. Now Netflix is getting disrupted. So, And that that's all happened within sort of 10 years, that, and that's not really mm-hmm. necessarily accelerated by COVID where a lot of other disruptions are. So, you know, it stands to reason that Airbnb will probably get disrupted by, by the next wave, I would think. Um, I think we're all getting disrupted all the time. Yeah. Right? It was like, I think life, I think, is never stands still and it's about really um, being close to your customer, I think, is important. Mm. Yeah. Do you find that co- the co- COVID, ex- I mean, you know, we talked earlier at the, very, at the outset about COVID and the, the initial impact of that sort of bringing you closer to your customer, the customer that you have in terms of the owner because mm-hmm. you've got two customers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, has it brought you closer to 
the end user customer? You know, has there been a different interaction with them uh, through that? I mean, I don't even know where this question is going in the sense that I don't know what you're going to tell me, but I'd be curious to know also that you talk about the way in which they think about their destination differently. Mm. What other changes, I guess, um, I, I, mm. is any of that permanent other than the work from home thing? Is there anything permanent? I, yeah. No, I think that's a, so. I think um, uh, one thing that, um, and I tell you a quote that we had, um, Sabrina and I, we had it on our desk, we had it on the wall uh, of the fridge in the shower wall. Uh, it was this uh, famous quote is, bad companies are destroyed by a crisis, good companies survive it, great companies thrive by it. Mm. Now, we heard this so often now, but back in, in March 2020, that was really cool. Um, and it was really this kind of uh, motivated, motivated driver. So, um, for us, it meant a lot around how do we actually solve the right problems and be close to the end. We need, when you go back to um, uh, before, you need to add purpose and value mm. to your customer. So yeah. um, when we looked at that um, in, our, in our industry, we've got property owners, we've got guests, but it was all around when we knew um, guests are really keen to find some form of accommodation uh, for maybe different needs. Um, how do we increase our access to properties and how do we, again, look at what a property owner wants, they want someone they, they trust, they know, uh, and so on. Um, and that was, um, um, and we've been working with them when I talked about earlier about um, helping real estate agents, uh, working with real estate agents to find long-term tenants. Mm -hmm. And we had sort of uh, an early network here. What we really saw is like, um, there is this huge um, uh, opportunity going forward with um, the, um, uh, on the short-term rental side around um, Two things, adding this value to guests with a brand, so people uh, that book um, a certain brand know what they get, and also for the property owner to have this kind of level of trust. Now, if you are in Maji, for example, um, you you might really prefer to have someone in Maji that you know from your footy club, uh, from from uh, know, birthday parties that manages your property, maybe even the one where you bought your property from, mm. to manage your property because they know your property and you know them and you trust them. So what we really did was um, looking at how, why are real estate agents not doing short-term rentals? That was the question that we really asked us, is why, why is Mekamfi actually able to do this? Mm. And um, looking into that was like, when we also ask um, um, agents was, was they, they, at the beginning it was like, ah, oh, it's weird, we go away Airbnb, right? And then it became some of, bit of a pain. And then it was like, shit, this is, this is an opportunity here, right? <laughs> I, I could, but I can't. Some, somebody tried to, to, uh, to do short-term rentals, but then you have the complexities with mm. tech, uh, trust accounting, super complex when you have a guest every couple of uh, days, weeks, mm. other than once a year, um, housekeeping coordination, um, distribution, revenue management, um, uh, ID verification, payment taking. This is not something where as an agency you are focused on. And if you do it, you need to hire someone that's really good and hope that person never resigns, which again, when we looked about the great resignation is maybe uh, difficult to bank on that. Um, mm. So what we uh, looked at um, um, and realized they want to do short-term rentals because it's a huge market opportunity that allows them to keep the client relationship. If an owner says, look, I, I bought the property off you, but I want to use it once or twice a year. Sorry, I can't I can't give it to you. Right? You lose that relationship. Yeah. And what we really want thought about if we allow them to manage short-term rentals and enable them to do that, they keep that relationship, they keep the rent roll, but they don't have the hassle of tenant management. Mm. Um, so in a nutshell, what we developed is a, is a, is a whole new platform um, that we are launching in a couple of weeks' time, officially um, with um, real estate agencies um, to add short-term rentals into their service portfolio, um, which all of those come with license, they come with a professional property understanding, they come with a knowledge of, of the market, um, and um, um, again, allows them to enter a segment where they um, can really outcompete um, their um, sort of competitors. So if you are the expert in long and short-term rentals and owner use, uh, you're in a great position. And then beautiful um, for you to, for distribution, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like for us, of course, what we, yeah. want, we want, we want properties, destinations for our guests that they can ship with, right? Um, so since then we've, um, we've launched, we've got, um, and we're going to announce this uh, officially, um, we've got several large brands um, that have signed up with us. We've got um, 25% of our portfolio is now um, with real estate agents and it's the fastest growing segment uh, that we have yeah. uh, on our thing because what you'll see, and I'll tell you that, and we can talk, talk, talk again in four years' time, uh, the next two years there's a huge consolidation happening in 
the short-term rental uh, world because of increasing legislation, um, increasing complexities, cash flow issues of the smaller players. Last two years have been really tough mm. um, uh, mentally and uh, financially. Um, and you will see a consolidation in some form. And there are the casas over there that are just buying companies. But what we really want is we want to enable those local uh, businesses in the Maji's Batman space, in the Moline Peninsula, to simply grow um, and keep that in there rather than having an international player coming there doing short-term rentals. Well, they'd also um, be suffering too, wouldn't they? Because it, there's a rental crisis as we've, you know, it's very well publicised that in a lot of these regional areas there's a, mm -hmm. a massive shortage of rental stock and a lot of people have sold their properties and there's a lot going to mm -hmm. Airbnb, to short-term rentals. So from a business point of view, that's a great opportunity for them to actually start to to make up for some shortfall, I would imagine. Um. I'd say two things. We see a lot of uh, construction in those locations. Um, it uh, enables, and we've seen a few of our partners getting um, um, comfortable with certain projects uh, to build because you have, again, um, a broader um, sort of um, um, use of a property. So I'd say allowing those kind of communities and those businesses in those local communities that know, they know the issues of the market. They know the challenges, the opportunities best, better than you, better than me. Um, and enabling them to do what they think is best for for them, for their mm. community, I think is, is a very powerful thing to do. And providing, talking about Amaji, um, uh, 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 and other locations, um, enabling them to have more property owners invest those in those locations uh, to build properties, I think is a positive thing, um, and driving more business uh, to those um, regions. So I think we will see a lot uh, more in there. But again, what our really value at uh, here is, is empowering those real estate agencies um, in um, any location to do short-term rentals, to give them a uh, competitive advantage. And of course, for 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 those that want to travel, um, uh, no matter if it's a week or a couple of months, to have options uh, in as many locations as possible. Kieran, I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on the numbers. So we get clients, um, leave one last week that I remember, you know, we're going to Airbnb, we're going to make a killing on short-term rentals. and. You just, I think it's probably level one thinking, you know, we will get $600 a night or $600 mm. a weekend and then they, you know, mm. you've got to factor in the weekends that you're not going to get used, you know, and mm. will it get used during the week and then the cleaning costs and the Airbnb fees mm. and the management fees, et cetera. So what's sort of the formula, like it, to, do you roughly go through with clients on a high level to sort of help them think through and go, well, you know, this isn't really going to make much sense you would actually and you're not even going to use when you want to use it other people that's going to be your high season and it's when you're going to be best to rent it so what sort mm -hmm. how do you talk take clients through that process to figure out whether they should airbnb or not yeah but I, I think there are two things and i think we are maybe one of the ones that are um um turning down a lot of um of properties um if we don't think we um we can serve the purpose of your of your property, which is either the flexibility or the, the returns, um, then we will not um, um, sort of uh, do that. And the same, of course, if your property is not set up in the condition um, that it needs to be yeah. to be a made country property, we also don't uh, don't proceed. Um, and the way we do that is um, when you go on our website, madecountry.com.au, uh, you sort of enter your details in our calculator. That gives you a rough laying estimate um, of what it could be. But um, what it then does is really sort of um, invites you to um, a proper proposal, um, which our, our team will do for you. Um, that proposal will look into similar properties that we have in that location, how they're priced uh, over the next 12 months and what occupancy rates we are, we are expecting uh, based on our data. And we also look into the past 12 months of pretty much any shorter rental that is around you. And we have that data um, to come up with um, uh, some um, expected uh, guidelines. So you will get a monthly breakdown of cash flow um, and um, you will also get some kind of guidance on what the nightly rates are and what the occupancy rates are. So at the end, to um, for you to make a decision, is this something that um, fulfills my purpose? If it is to, to uh, again, flexibility, it's really understanding the cash flow. If it is uh, an alternative uh, to long-term, again, understanding uh, uh, what that means uh, uh, for you. Um, but again, it's, it's about providing the right information to property owners to make that decision um, from an educated basis rather than these uh, things we hear about, oh, you make a killing, you make like a thousand a night, you 
we make bubbles or anything. I mean, like that is all hearsay mm-hmm. um, uh, on that. Going back to the whole point, why professionalizing this industry is a really good thing is so these things stop because it's it's not really uh, the truth. Um, and what is um, and what's interesting driving. there is that you've set benchmark or, or bars uh, barriers to entry in your business because obviously you've determined. Uh, what ingredients to success you need, right? Mm. So it's like certain properties are going to struggle or you're going to get crap crap guests and they're going to you Yahoo and they're going to annoy the neighbors and they're going to do all those things that basically, mm. and then you're going to get bad reviews and and it's just going to be a nightmare. So there's a certain level of upkeep and attention, mm. isn't there? That Yeah, of course. So, so A, you want to uh, understand what drives um, a certain property. So when we look at the property, we look at the persona of guests that that property will attract. That's one thing, and that depends on um, on where it is, the size, uh, the condition, mm. and everything. If it's totally run down and really poor, you might really do okay getting an okay long term tenant in, um, but it will, we will really struggle to get, mm. a, get good tenants in uh, because neither way it will go so cheap. It's just not helping anyone. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, the one thing is when a property is the right uh, location, the right type. Um, what we've launched earlier this year is um, um, one of the uh, most sophisticated um, um, guest vetting ID verification systems that you'll find. Um, what we use is um, uh, basic stuff. Um, we ask for the ID uh, selfie, of course, and we also uh, know the IP address of the guest when they're booked. Um, we compare that IP address, um, how far away it is from um, the place of booking. If you book on a Friday night for one or two nights, you try to, well, you can't do one of my comfy, two nights you can. A big house and you're within 30 kilometers, for example, or 50, it gets a red flag. Um, that means yeah. it is uh, rejected, you can't book it, um, or it gets flagged by our team and we look at that. The same thing if you use a VPN, it, uh, it is a yellow flag. If your email address is generated within the last, um, not older than a certain period, and I can't say these things 100%, then it gets flagged. Um, yeah. And um, uh, all of that is really to avoid um, guests that are, of course, uh, wrong intention. Um, and um, simply criminals. Uh, you, you want to ensure that um, you have um, this kind of vetting in place. But that's something we do on top of, um, um, and it's more sophisticated than what Airbnb has in place. Wow. So, I mean, what's Airbnb, up? you can book with an email address only. Mm. So, with um, rents yeah. going up, Kieran, in certain areas, and, you know, a lot of the country rents are going up, and, um, you know, Airbnbs, for example, what sort of percentage over what they would get on the long-term market do you think a lot of people are looking for is it like you know 30 percent more than what they would get on the long-term market for them to go oh, it's worth going through all that effort and that risk i guess um you know or is it sort of do you find it's a lot lower than that when people are willing to come on board that totally uh, that yeah. totally depends so there is no and that's why as i've said what um what i'm, I'm uh, or my country is not here sort of saying you we will double your income we will yeah. use it by 30 50 percent that's what others do. They do that simply uh, to catch uh, people's interest. And that will do your proposal. It will be simply depending on your property, the condition of your property. Yeah. Um, and it really depends. Um, uh, sometimes it is, um, it, is, um, it is the return, and it might be um, uh, 10%, 20%, 30%. Um, it really depends. Sometimes you, you, you're on a location where it's just, not, it's just not for the kind of property you have. Long term is not what you can do to mm. finance that property, right? So if you have a bit of a of certain again upper class property in a certain regional location, you you just can't get it, right? So and again for a property investor or owner, you want to have alternatives to um, finance your property. And I think sometimes we we sort of see property owners framed in a very greedy way and it's kind of cold and and sort mm. of faceless. No, they're not. They um, um, when I look at our, our customer base. Um, um, there are a lot of smart investors in there, of course, but um, like I do not see those kind of soulless uh, uh, investors. And I can say this really because when you look at COVID, how many guests we had, we had um, really, really, really tough situation um, around um, around um, um, mental um, mental problems, around um, suicide in the, in the families where owners were incredible, incredible. Mm. And I think that's where I was getting a little bit emotional because it is it is really really something you don't hear yeah okay yeah. this guy saying that um, some of your some of your owners uh provide accommodation at discounted or free or they would even waive it 
Yeah. So they would even waive it in, in hostage um, situations. Mm-hmm. And and again, this is not it, it is not saying that we're for free and I can do it, but there is a heart, right? And yeah, there is yeah. when we look about the whole community that we sort of um during COVID we all got a little bit closer together to help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really not talked about. And um it is just something where I'm really, really um, advocating for because it is um it is and I think especially in Australia, why I love to be in Australia, there's something, this kind of camaraderie, uh, this mateship, you see this with guests, with property owners, vice versa. And yeah. I think that's sort of going back to the whole thing, legislation, code of conduct, all of that professionalizing, that it is important that you're enabling the right behavior mm. um, that is required. Because at the end, it's, it's we all, we all in, in, in uh, we went through COVID, all of us together, uh, we went through tough lockdowns, uh, all of us together. And I think um, um, whatever I know is the market, whoever will win the election, um, we will again um, um, live here together, and I think yeah. no one here is trying to to uh, to do uh, other things than yeah, being a good human. I think. Yeah. So, Kieran, we've got two questions to finish up on. The first question: what, what, If you're saying to someone who's coming to you and they haven't bought an Airbnb, what are some of the tips you say? Look, you know, these are sort of the attributes. What's like the? Do you always look for a sort of secret or something special about the property versus? The other properties in an area. What are some of the things you really think Airbnbs, you know, should look for um, when they mm-hmm. if they're wanting to go down this sort of longer term, you know, short term rental? Not <laughs> great. So, so think I think think about I think start that process early. We have a lot of owners that ask us where should I buy and, and what should I buy. So I think that getting some advice early uh, sort of helps. And I can, you can do this anyway. You don't have to come to make comfy. You can you can get so much advice out there these days. But it's about uh, understanding your guest profile. Um, who will likely book you? I think that's very important, and that really differs. Um, if you have a four-bedroom house in the Southern Highlands, that's different to an apartment in Melbourne CBD. And once you understand that, you know the amenities and the needs that yeah. um, uh, that mm-hmm. this guest type uh, wants, yeah. and then you really look into what uh, is there. If, if there are a few amenities that make it difficult, so if everyone has a pool uh, in in Southern Highlands, you don't have a pool, uh, maybe this is a must amenity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have some nice other amenities. Like I was asked the other day, is how many of our properties have a, a Tesla charging station? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so in ten years' time, maybe we need those kind of amenities uh, for short rentals potentially. I don't know. So there are certain amenities that are must have, and then are nice to have. Nice to have is a view, um, and must have is what your competitors sort of have. So mm-hmm. with this kind of research, you can do this. You can go on AirDNA, uh, for example, um, uh, as well um, to get some uh, information on other properties uh, at your location, I think is very important. Understand what features you do the have. It's always important to really um, have a well-maintained property um, for the sake of, of everything, for reviews, for cost of running it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, going back to your whole other bit, it's like, what is the location? Um, is it in a, in a block where you have a lot of owner occupiers? Um, um, and if your intention is to do Airbnb, um, again, inform yourself about what your neighborhood is like, community mm. is like, uh, is important as well, because you will sort of um, um, uh, be part of that um, when, you, when you buy there. So these are maybe the important parts, um, and then really see what is the motivation for you, how important um, is return for you, certain times, con- consistency, how do you manage it, um, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the second question I'm sure is on to that is the other end of the scale. I guess have you got a dumbo of the week for us that um, a lesson we can our listeners can learn from? <laughs> I, I think I think the the uh, the dumbo of the week uh, I mentioned it a little bit before. Um, Airbnb investors do this only for the money. Um, mm. I'm saying it before, um, it is for for having flexibilities with your properties. Um, yeah, and flexibility in your life, um, and. Um, not everyone is is a, is a heartless um, heartless yeah. investor. Um, um, and flexibility um, on sale as well, right? Like if you've got a long term tenant and you know they're on a twelve month lease and you plan changes and you want to just quickly, you know, sell it, then you've got to wait for maybe the tenancy to finish so you can style it and so you can get it on the market. But if it's on an Airbnb, then you know it's like it's photos. like it's empty. Mm-hmm. I guess you you, you might yeah. already and be furnished. styled and yeah, furnished exactly. to, um, to, to <laughs> sell it, but. Um, you know, that, that's sometimes really important to, you know, investors just to have that flexibility of the ease of sale um, and maybe a, a rolling long-term contract, you know, is more risky. So, you know, there's always other motivations, I guess, rather than the, the exact dollar. But I think the key learning for 
um, and we've done this before, sending clients to your self-caring is that, you know, mm. you do this on a property per basis, right? You know, it's yeah. some properties are going to have a very high, um, you know, very low vacancy rate. You're going to be able to hire, charge a premium most time of the year and even a huge premium in holiday seasons. Um, and those numbers are going to massively dwarf, <clears throat> um, you know, long-term rentals even when you take into consideration all the fees and things like that. And other properties are going to be the other story, right? Maybe it's just better just to go long-term rental. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting if you are even considering a property, you know, send it to the Made Comfy team and actually get that sort of analysis before mm. you you fall for the dream um, and you think you're going to get, make a lot more money on it through Airbnb. And we'd also, Ronick and I are always on the same page with this stuff anyway. I mean, we only see that as the bonus. Um, we had a client a few years ago by yeah. just north of Central Coast, or in Central Coast, and... Um, you know, we thought, well, that property is going to be amazing on Airbnb. It's at a, such a location. You would love to rent that as a, as a family or a group of families, but it's also commutable. And if you were leaving Sydney, you'd move there as a family. That property's probably gone up over 150% in four years in terms of its capital value, maybe even tripled. Um, wow. So it's in terms <laughs> of price. Um, and they make a killing on Airbnb, absolute killing because it's so unique and it's just it's, on photos, it just looks so sexy, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, you, you've got to go for the capital growth with the Airbnb income um, rather than just going for the Airbnb and forgetting that that's not the whole picture here. So thanks so much for coming on, Kieran, and um, good luck for the next four years. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. It was um, fun as always, and yeah, I love what you guys do. Thank you so much. Thank thanks, you. Kieran. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.